Yo, what up, everyone? Welcome to the Sonic Cloth Podcast. Today, you're going to have to refer to me the way my Palestinian mother does, and that would be Jamil. Not how I usually pronounce my name on this episode, Jamil. Um, so do with that what you will, but I just needed to set the record straight before we get into today's very special episode. It is one that uh, has been in the works for quite a bit now, and I am so glad this day has arrived because our guest is a new friend, a fellow Palestinian human, a musician, an artist, an activist, maybe a lot more than that, too. Uh, we've got a real Habibi in the house today, Sijad Nasrallah. Thank you so much for coming through, man. How are you doing? Great. I love that. Oh, you know, uh, it's just a pleasure to be able to nerd out with another Palestinian who's just total music nerd. And yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, that's this is a welcome place for nerds. <laughs> this is the most welcome place for music nerds. So um, yeah, and I hope we can be on a, a consensual Habibi basis right from the jump. Oh, we're Habibs. <laughs> <laughs> that is the beautiful thing about uh, Palestinians and Arabs. I've even even heard Habibi used in ways where like the person is very much talking to their enemy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, what? You know, Ibn Ammi is what yeah. we call our oppressors, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. Well, I am so stoked to have you on. Um, thank you again for taking the time to do this. I know, you know, we don't know each other super well, but I do feel like we're kindred spirits in in ways that will probably reveal themselves more as we get deeper into this uh, conversation. But I have a feeling we'll stumble upon a lot of diasporic and musical common ground and maybe how those those two very important parts of like say our personalities like intersect as well. Yeah, definitely. So Sijal, you make music, you know, Dunums is your primary musical vehicle, but you also play drums in the, in the Muslims. Is there anything I missed there that you've maybe done in the past that you want to shout out or anything that you're currently doing? Oh gosh. I mean, I have like, you know, many obscure SoundCloud accounts and mixes and band camps of bands that I explored in college mostly, but I think, I think I'm content. I think I've, when I landed on Dunham's and Dunham's is like, it changes every album. It changes every year, every season of emotion or wherever my spirit moves me. It is the one size fits all outlet for my musical expression. I think it's just going to be that way for as long as I'm making music. Um, but yeah, no Dunham's and the Muslims are, are my outlets these days. If you want to hit me with those those links on the side, I mean, <laughs> you know I'm going to click every single one of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in an interview with, uh, I think it's Palestine in America? Yeah. That's like one of the first things that comes up when 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 you're Googled, as you know. Um, you describe yourself as a falahi, uh, a bread communist, and 60% olive grease, and hostile with my hospitality, which I loved that description. I want to know does that does that still hold up? And maybe you can maybe you can explain falahi to uh, my largely Western audience. Oh gosh, um, that yeah, it's fun to like. Um, it was fun to give that interview. In many ways, that interview, which which was given by um, what's his name, uh, Samahan Ashrawi, who is a well-known music journalist, and just. I don't know how to, how, I don't know how to describe himself, but I think he's, I think music journalist is probably his core identity, but he's, he's just an all around like great person. 
who loves music and puts out great ideas to that interview. And uh, <laughs> I kind of went like straight, like shooting from the hip. And so that's, a, I, I think I still stand by it. I am definitely 60% or more uh, olive grease. I did a, my, I, I got like, I did my labs uh, at the doctor the other day and my, my good uh, cholesterol is soaring. And uh, Falahi is true in the sense that, um, yeah, my people are literal. They're just like of the land. They, um, for generations and generations, hundreds of years, uh, I come from people who lived off the land. They, you know, it was like, you know, our olives, our trees, our fruits, um, our wells were what we lived on with occasional trips to the market. But we had everything that we need. And I think that's really what defines Falahi, but it's always also shows up as a contrast to Medani or city folk who, you know, are the uh the rich kids in the in the in the in the chamois scene, um, so to speak, but or the ones who, you know, grew up in the cities. But yeah, it's fun. I like being Falahi. And what is the last thing I said? I forgot. That you were hostile with your hospitality. Oh. And bred communist. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, my, you know, my Baba, I love him so much. Uh, it was very political, and I think you know, like a lot of Palestinians were like anti-imperialist by birth. Mm -hmm. um, especially the, you know, many of us who grew up in diaspora. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's actually actually I'm gonna ahead and like take that back. The image of DJ Khaled just appeared in my mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, but a those... <laughs> what a failure if you get involved politically in the middle east um i i i, I get involved with the peace you know what i'm saying meaning as i'm all about peace i'm all about um unity i'm all about love and and i want my people you know to always be good but uh but i just feel like it was just part of my my story having like a politicized like poor um refugee palestinian family and I love hospitality. I love cooking. I love feeding people. I I love when it's received and it's not awkward and it's just, you know, it's mm. it's a pleasure that I don't get to enjoy to the fullest uh, except when, you know, I'm in the right company, um like among other like Arabs or folks who like can really dive into the pleasure of hospitality and good food. Um but that is definitely a passion of mine i uh i love cooking for people huh. um can we can we do a top three levant dishes that you like to oh. cook doesn't have to be like your the ones that you prefer the most but just the ones that are the most fun to cook and present absolutely you know straightforward matluba you know uh we got to do that and i matluba is like a ritual you know it's it's a, it's a ritual of, it's yeah it's a prayer. It literally is. And then the way we share it with each other, it's literally like, uh, I feel emotional just even talking because like I, I, I had this urge after moving through a pretty big wave of like devastation and grief sometime in November. And I was like, I need to have everyone over and, I, and I'm getting the biggest pot I can find and I'm making Maluba. And it was the most beautiful just gathering and it was something very necessary. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw Matluba into the mix. Yeah, the Matluba catharsis. That's that's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's not, yeah, <laughs> it's it's meaningful. Um, my mom grew up in Libya, so um, there's a Rishta Mbawakha, 
it's like steamed pasta dish. Um, and I've never that's... had it. I've never heard of it even. But I know the Libya Palestine connection is is real, like historically, yeah. politically. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such good food. Very um, pasta centered around like the, you know, Italian influences mm -hmm. um, or colonizer remnants, and then um, has all those great North African flavors like the allspice, the sweets, and the the the, the sweet gourds mixed with meats and beans and you know hummus you know everything kind of all together in a stew on top of pasta delicious wow i thought like uh, egypt was like the the sole pasta havers in in the in the arab world but yeah i don't know is it like a remnant of like the roman like roman empire or something or no i thought i thought they italy you know came over there and fucked shit up for a little bit okay yeah i'm just yeah uh, I'm failing on my colonial history here. Yeah, you know, and I could be wrong, but you know, I'm, I, that's 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 the story I got, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I then aside from that, you know, you know, it's just like door, you know, making yeah. sure we have some good food and like bed and you know, you know, a light bandura in the morning, you know, oh, for the fam yeah. is yeah, the best meal. It's the best meal. It's the best meal. It is. It is. Everyone I've ever served the like, Bandoro to like loses their mind over it, and it's like, and then and then immediately they're like, it's so simple though. Like how right. how did this just not come to me like as a as something I would intuitively create? <laughs> it exactly, it has that kind of magic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, like yeah, the futur. I mean, like just having you know like like twenty five to forty bowls, like all like in a circle, like around you is just is just the best. Like the cornucopia kind of thing is amazing. Yes, definitely. My uh, my brother had this girlfriend one time because he was eating and he he was eating like lebna with like shatta, which is like a spicy sauce in it. Um, and she's like, "Did you invent that?" He was like. No, but if I did, I'd be a very rich man. And I just, <laughs> that was a very funny joke because it's sublime. It's delicious. And um, it's just what we do. Where do you, okay, last food question. For now, it'll, I'm sure yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll come back up. Where, where do you follow Msakhans? Because some people think it's so overrated. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not a big Msakhan guy. I'm not a big Msakhan guy, but um, I do make it and... Yeah, I got it, it for me. Like, if I I get like a when someone kind of goes back, uh, my family goes back to like Palestine or Amman is where my folks are from. You know where folks live right now, and they bring back some really good sumat. Yeah. Then I'm like, we're making them. You know, we're making them sechen to kind of like commemorate the new sumat in the in the house. <laughs> but yeah. aside from that, I don't really I don't really uh, make it very much. Yeah, when you got that bright Hamid like sour. So man, like you, you got to. That is the taste of msachan. Yeah, it's like the only thing yeah. that really just characterizes it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I also really like the um, which I imagine. I don't know if it's like a diaspora invention, but in my mind, like I want to create this mythology that it is like the msachan rolls with tortillas. You ever have those? I have. Yeah, I like. I love that too. It's not the real yeah. thing, of course, but like, it's a it's a nice little fusion. Totally. It's like a nice little party trick, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I uh, definitely appreciate appreciate your, sure. your feedback on that one. I, I bring up that interview too, because you were also asked this the question, you know, in the future, when Palestine is free, there's going to be a big party. 
going to be celebrating. Everybody's going to play some music, be fighting over the aux chord, right? Um, yeah. What records are, are you bringing to play? And that's very much the basis for why we came together on this episode. Of course, the, you know, I do always do have a different rabbit hole of music and it's, it's typically like, you know, a subgenre or a label or like, I don't know, some kind of convoluted music nerd shit, but I, I like how pure this, <laughs> the concept of this episode is, is, and also the timeliness, of course, yeah. um, as being the basis for today's episode. So together, together we created a, a playlist for a Palestine Hara or a free Palestine. And yeah, I think, I think that's great. I was just, you know, if you have any thoughts about like, is this, a, is this something that you've been pondering in your mind before anyone like myself or the interviewer asked you this? You know, it's, 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 you know, I have been pondering it. Yes, for sure. You know, when, when, um, you know, when Samant presented that question, I felt like, I felt like, ouch, like, I feel like, wow. Like, you know, it's, it's like, I know, you know, like, I know, I know we're going to get free. I just, I know it, you know, I know it in my spirit. I know it in my soul. I know that we're going to go back, you know, like we're going to go back and we're going to like, have a relationship there. I mean, these settlers are leaving. They're leaving. They don't even know what to do. Anyway, <laughs> it's all another conversation. But um, but it's it's kind of intense, especially right now, because this is like the worst thing that I'll say I think we've ever seen, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of especially even more of a challenge to kind of lock into this place of like what does freedom feel like, you know, sonically look and feel like which is you know a wild a wild sensation to try to access um in this moment where we also like just need some things to stop immediately um, um but that's on my mind when i when this question comes up but i do think it's important to continue to resource ourselves with this vision of what's at the end of this misery yeah 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 absolutely and then this is this is absolutely a uh, a safe space to uh make some declarative statements so feel 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 free to uh feel free to tap in and, and put it out i certainly have have my own <laughs> and you know righteousness and anger that i would have a note take no issue saying aloud to any any audience who will hear it oh um, yeah i'm just assuming that i don't have to manage or justify or even explain it to anyone in this audience you know um so the slogans we've all heard them we know what they are it's free palestine every day and, you know, we're going to return and um, all the Palestinians all over the world and, you know, we'll be free from the river to the sea. It's in the title of the episode. So <laughs> let's go, you know, inshallah. Inshallah. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, I'm just thinking like of a funny sort of like, I don't know, like curb your enthusiasm type uh, scenario where like the diaspora like shows up and the party's already happening. And then we're like fighting with like the. <laughs> We're fighting with the with the the native born about like you know we're coming in playing deer hoof and like yeah. <laughs> yeah. and they're like what the fuck is this we yeah. want fucking Bebke all day what are you doing <laughs> yeah totally I I love the hilariousness I love that um I love embracing it too I love embracing the diaspora like I don't know if you feel this way I have a question is a question for you but like have you ever spent any of your life trying to be like more Palestinian than you were? I think it's a weird way to phrase it, but do you know what I mean? Like, um, yes. In 
it's it's sort of uh, something that's in constant fluctuation i would say and it elicits a lot of a lot of complicated feelings and i think as i get older i am able to more authentically put some of that stuff to bed because i think you know i feel a certain self-conscious way if i'm like in falastin cuz my arabic is not amazing yeah. um yeah, you know same. like i i i i i can't read or write like i feel like when i go over there like as beautiful and as like fulfilled as my heart feels in in those moments and like i'm ex- i'm just exposed and you know i get to shimul hawa like for the first time it's yeah. it still feels like a it feels like a, a, that's my home and it's something i was robbed out of of course and that's like an overwhel- overwhelming like sensation that you don't you don't let go of but like at the same time i feel super impo- i feel super impostery and i feel like i don't know I, I, I there's just this like comparison that happens but there's also something nice that happens where you just kind of snap in um if you like let some of those insecurities go like you snap in and like even if people re- real you know recognize it, which they do of course like you're not being you're not typically not being treated any different and it's a very much like a you belong here you're like a child of this country you know and there's never there's never this like i've never personally felt like any kind of um anything other than like a a welcoming and a unification and also something we don't think about a lot because it's i think we're we're consumed with our privilege so much is like is palestinians living in palestine like recognizing like what we lost you know living mm. living in the diaspora like like of course there's like difference in opportunity and difference in access to certain things of course but like mm. there's not a pity but like a a recognition that like we have lost something and sometimes i feel that too and that's where my self-consciousness can can stand i don't know if that's i'm like dancing that's around your be- question i don't think i'm answering it directly no you're answering it beautifully <laughs> yeah no you nailed it so 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 eloquently yeah that's awesome thank you for sharing that yeah well how about well how about yourself yeah yeah i i think all those things that you said really resonate with me i there's it's like there's so much privilege in being safe you know where where we are and where i live that is something that that follows me especially in the context that like majority of my family lives in the west bank and um you know texting with them and the quality of life and like what's what's at stake for them and yeah but there's and then there's like yeah like my like my hobby like i learned it you know at home and then like the you know you know in the, in the muslim community in my hometown and you know, have to kind of really struggle to get it to where it is. And it's still also like, I feel kind of lost sometimes. Um, and I still write songs in Arabic, you know, and I think like I had this thing for a long time that was like, I felt like wielding, especially language. I think I just refer to language, speak to language specifically because you talked about those other pieces, but like wielding language has always felt like really um, clunky for me because there was some emotional hangups and at some point, especially with like Dunham's, like the project of Dunham's was like, you know, like I have, you know, my family has like Ottoman documents, you know, of like the 400 Dunham's of land that we have in Al-Quds, Jerusalem, you know, that we've been like dispossessed from. And like my name's on that, you know, and I like Dolly Parton and my, <laughs> my language is funny and me and part of this experience and i start to wield it in this way of like this is truth like this is actually like 
so much of the truth, the political truth, the divine truth of what it means to be Palestinian, that it starts to, it started to somehow like some of the insecurity or like imposterness started to evaporate. And it's like, it's funny to say also Dunham's like, we don't like, you know, putting S at the end of the word, you know, in Arabic is like yeah. intentional for me to like kind of express that sentiment of like who I am and where I'm from and how I talk and how I exist as a Palestinian. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's not some like Edward Said level, you know, like <laughs> melancholy, you know, of like, I'm a foreigner everywhere. It's like, no, I'm just, you know, I'm not a foreigner everywhere. I'm, I'm actually at home. Like I'm actually at home, like in my, in my being. And there's something to that to me. Yeah. Store from a gin. Store from a gin. again like i i believe we will return yeah. to and i believe our, in our generation we will see free palestine and it's a tragedy that generations have come and gone without seeing that yeah and it feels sometimes like well why am i hoping for it in my in my generation if like others hoped for it just as much just as much as i did or more um because there's like a deeper connection i didn't get i didn't get ripped from palestine like during my lifetime like it was it was ripped yeah. from my parents and then i'm i'm a byproduct of that so yeah it's like sometimes i'm like i just it's like i i yeah. want it in my lifetime but i want it like in theirs like i yeah i want them i want them to totally like yeah i i do want to uh, chat a bit about about dunham's of course and, and the muslims of course um i won't lie i'm i'm more familiar with like the dunham's material myself although i've listened to the muslims albums too um, but I discovered Dunham's from the the Radio uh, Kaiban label, of which I, I'm a huge fan. Um, I, I check out everything that comes out on that label. So one day I got an email, you know, from a band called Dunham's. Uh, the release is called "Where's My ED," and at this point, like my curiosity is fully activated. I'm like talking about hands, like is that, is that what it is? <laughs> and, and you know, I read the description. I'm like, oh, okay, I know where this is coming from. Like, I think I. I think I know where this is coming from. And my curiosity is like fully activated. And and I bought the tape and, and you know, it's a, it's a tape that I have like played regularly at my house. Like it was like literally the standing go-to Sunday morning ritual for me for like months before my, my tape deck busted. 
it's not to say I don't enjoy the other Dunham's material. I absolutely do. But that one just where's my it just holds it holds like special place as sometimes in discographies that happens, you know. And and I just find it to have so much connective tissue for me as as both a diaspora Palestinian clawing my way through the uh, the American experience and doing so in a more sort of rageful like way than ever. But also someone with who is like had a long stand has a long standing music obsession um, that carries on to this day is just two massively important aspects of my identity fused into a single album that you know it has you know poetry in it it's 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 you know whether you in, whether you intend for it or not just in my ears like a blending of western and eastern sounds um, and and it's just a killer record like on its own irrespective of any of those things so I just want to say thank you for making it I really love it. And uh, I just want to ask, like, that's a little bit, a little bit about what Dunham's is to me. But like, you know, what it is, what is it to you? I know it's a simple ask question, but it seems like maybe the right one to ask as much as you want to divulge. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so, so kind. I'm so glad you like that record. I feel like it was made for you. <laughs> it was like literally made for like, yeah, it's like riddled with so much diaspora insider belonging I feel like and I and also groove and sonically and what I've learned from your taste too I'm like oh man like I'm yeah that's awesome so glad you enjoy it and thanks for that question I I want to say just one thing about that record is that I want to like gotta give props to the people who played on it <clears throat> um so um yeah like I there are many different iterations of Donums and and that inter- iteration was me convening and basically visually scoring the record um with an ensemble of people um that include the person who's doing the poetry and um, spoken word um uh ahmed jitan and then um his sibling um ala uh, jitan and then uh on oud was this incredible uh palestinian oud player um who um, just actually put out a new track with um, El Sara and the Nubatones. Um, oh, wow. Which is, Amazing. yeah, she's she's incredible. And I think they're roommates now in Brooklyn. <laughs> um, but, um, and then uh, Ade Oni is a backup vocalist, um, Tristan Munchel on electric guitar. And I play drums and guitar and bass and synth throughout the record. Um, but uh, just want to give props to those folks um, because it's it was very much an improvised ensemble uh, hmm. despite the arrangement. Um, and yeah, Dunham's, you know, so I don't even know where to start. I, I think like I love making music under Dunham's. I said this earlier, but uh, a Dunham is a, uh, a unit of measurement um, for land in arabic and the idea for the name came um when i learned of uh the about 400 donums of land that um belonged to my family we have like ottoman uh documents from before world war one uh that talk about the land that my family owned and that they've owned it for at least um 200 years um in in the jerusalem foothills of jerusalem uh and the whole experience for me is like trying to be i was raised in the south you know i was i was the first in my family born in the u.s 
feel like there's like a, just like a sliver of miracle that is of that is like I think many migrant and immigrant families have some stories like these like of what circumstances led to them being here um, um but especially in like my family's story just like the fact that we were able to be here and live here um is kind of wild in terms of the relative experience of my family um and I grew up in North Carolina and I love living in North Carolina <laughs> I love it here and I um grew up going to Philistine and like being able to visit and seeing and meeting family and um the whole kind of origin really derived from like the inspiring experience of being of two radically different places and trying to make sense of that and then I think it's sort of evolved uh, over time like I have like like you know I have like gee like you know in my younger in my early 20s like I got like geography tats that kind of like tattoos that kind of like made sense of this experience for me but now it's kind of gotten to this place where it's like it's like just about land you know it's just about land and what land is and what it can do and how essential it is for us to like thrive and survive and all the things that it all the stories that it tells and all the stories that it appears to tell <laughs> and remembering all those struggles it's just yeah i feel like land is like a really fascinating thing especially in the context of settler colonialism and it's constantly changing um and it's hard to remember what was there or what it meant or who belonged to and who loved and died there you know i think um something that feels very poetic and significant to me and it's going to continue to change um but that's what denims means to me yeah I love, I love the line. I think it's in love letter to Ahmad Yassin. I'm going to Taluza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because well, I love it for a lot of reasons. But like right off the bat, I had not heard that phrase Taluza in like I don't know how long. So it, it right off the bat, it was immediately so nostalgic because like my dad would, you know, he'd be like being sarcastic with me, tell me to tuz and like be like, yeah, Taluza is basically i mean maybe you can expand on this but like my understanding it's a it's a slang that kind of represents some kind of nonsensical response you give to someone who you're trying to kind of be fickle with right mm -hmm. you're kind of like fucking with them a little bit yeah but it's also it's also like a a village in the west bank as well and i don't know how those i'm not sure exactly how those two things connect i wondered if if you knew we we use it in the nonsense way yeah yeah i yeah. i've only ever heard in nonsense way and i had to like i googled it and found, i'm like oh Toulouse is a place but i'm like <laughs> you know perhaps its origins were like in people who maybe lived in the west bank of Toulouse was like this like this this village that was like farther away than other ones and it, and it just got kind of like put into place or something like mm -hmm. it also just it's just such a fun word like in and of itself i love it totally yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's the humor of ahmed Chathan on that one for sure <laughs> it's it's so great yeah and i mean you know to non-arab or i guess Palestinian listeners it might, it, that probably just goes right over their head i think this is the moment where the listener has to smile and nod you know, <laughs> yeah. so... you know godzilla is destroying every city he ate Nessa last summer I'm telling you, 
In that same song, I also like, you know, like I was, I've been listening to, to Dunham stuff all week, of course. And uh, that line, Godzilla is destroying every city he has the last summer. It's just, it's just so har- harrowing. You know, <laughs> I know that Gaza has been bombed and ravaged over and over and over. This is nothing new, but of course we've hit some, you know, genocidal apex, of course, <laughs> in, in recent times. So it's, you know, a record I haven't listened to in, in a minute since my tape deck busted, but yeah, just re-listening to it again over and over. I mean, I just, you know, just it hit a different nerve this time, you know, in re-listening to it. Yeah, I've, I recently put it on a um, fundraiser compilation record that we did in Durham, where where we live, and um, added that song to it and feels more as relevant as ever. Obviously, Palestine is more in, you know, being inserted in organically in organic ways and in strategic forced ways too into art spaces into uh, music into fashion art culture but like especially from a diy perspective like i've there's a bar like nearby my house and i'll drop in with a friend just go see like a hardcore show that i don't really know the bands i don't really care care that much about the bands to be honest but it's just it's just is so it's nice to just be in a be in that setting right now for whatever reason uh cathartic reason and like every every time i've gone like the without fail like it is clear that like what is on the minds of the people performing is what's going on in Palestine, <laughs> and from people who don't come from there and it's just it's just something I've, i'm experiencing in the wild i see Palestine free Palestine stuff everywhere and i'm from a phoenix is a fairly apathetic place like <laughs> i would describe it as such just highly suburbanized and spread out and it's a new city relatively speaking and i don't know there's obviously like pockets of deep community here as well and you see a lot of, there's a lot of great stuff but like on if you take it on the whole yeah it's a good representation of the apathy of the empire i'm just observing it i'm noticing it i wonder i wonder like if you just have any thoughts i mean maybe it's an opportunity to talk about like the intersection of art and you know palestinian liberation and durham which is something that you're you know, has been part of your life for a long time. But like, what's, is there a shift? Like, what have you noticed? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've sort of, there's so many things to say here. Um, 
we've uh, the short of it is this i think we've never in terms of like also never witnessed and never having witnessed something so horrible um being done to our people we've also never witnessed solidarity behave like this in this way it's completely unprecedented i think the save sheikh Sharah movement in like was it 2021 2020 2020? yeah. yeah that was the first and i was like whoa whoa like like literally we're here we are like something is changing and the overall i don't know in the overall like spirit of what it means to what, what Palestine is um, and has been. And my experience as a, you know, you know, mid to late thirties person in the world who grew up in the U S South has not been one in which I have felt in any way seen or witnessed or um, in spend in solidarity, received solidarity as a, as like a, or, or could make the assumption that there would be solidarity in a space, you know, um, that I didn't have like explicitly clear knowledge that 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 was a politic that was uh, present. And Dunham's has been around, you know, since like 2010-ish. And I was writing songs about like the kids in Gaza, you know, since then, you know, mostly isolated in my bedroom and like would go out and like play these songs. And the scene that I was in, in Asheville, North Carolina, and you know, and I didn't know how to even bring it up. Like I would just sing the songs in Arabic. No one knew what I was saying. They're like, oh, cool. Blah, blah, blah. And I would just kind of keep playing. But these songs were just like, I was processing all these things that were going on for years. And now here I am as a band, which we didn't have a formation of a band for Thunams. Like the band ensemble changes periodically. But a friend took me out to lunch in, in March of last year and was like, let's let's uh let's do your song let's like play your songs live like it's be great and i was like okay i don't know i have enough time blah, blah, blah. ended up pulling a band together and then we're playing shows and then all this shit happens and then i'm like whoa like what what is going like every like local record label in our community is like we are we stand with palestine you know like unequivocally pro-palestine any any music event that's happening is either getting canceled or is turning into like a solidarity carnival is what I'm calling them. They're like, <laughs> every organization is tabling. Everyone's got flags. Everyone's got zines. Yeah. Everyone's sharing information and resources. Everything's a fundraiser. It's just changed things. You know, it's just, it's just like, and it's, especially in my world, like, you know, like we're playing tons of benefits right now and doing lots of things, raising tons of, tons of money for organizing. Um, but even outside of the art scene, you know, we have like, you know, Durham in, in particular, already had a pretty rich pro-Palestine movement uh, and to the effect of the they got the city to pass a resolution to stop sending police to Israel to train which was a, uh, which was part of this campaign Durham to Palestine or demilitarize Durham and the you know the the kind of people who have already been building here for so long around this this kind of BDS work or other things in this moment, it's just like, it's just massive. It's just like hundreds of people can be expected at any given time to an event or a rally. And then music or cultural events that center Palestine are also really widely attended. So very, very surprised to see. Uh, and also just an immense number of people who are like experienced sound engineers or like, you know, stage designers and stuff who are volunteering their time to put together incredible performances you know, for free, you know, like 
it's just awesome. Like some of the, some of the, some of the, the staff of like the biggest venues of town are like volunteering to come to like the local solidarity space to, to throw a, <laughs> to throw a incredible show for free, you know? And it's like, so yeah. it's, 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 it's wild. It's, I would say it's, it's hard. It's all, it's beautiful. It's also quite difficult to see the way people are stepping forward now. Um, it's brought up its own kind of emotions for me personally, but I, it is awesome and welcome and necessary. Is any of that a, where you've been? What do you mean by that? Is people stepping up now? Yes. And having a reaction of like, we've been here. Yes, absolutely. Where have you been? Like yeah. this didn't start, this didn't start yesterday. I mean, it's, it's complicated. The emotions, of course. It is complicated. And I think in some of my interpersonal closer connections, it's been like seeing people who are stepping forward now and being like, do you remember that conversation where I felt like I really had to explain this to you and I felt very dismissed? Do you remember that? You know, like that's the kind of mm -hmm. some of the some of the conversations I'm having, um, unfortunately, but for the most part, it's all love and it's just yeah. Hard to it's hard to see, you know, that's a change. Yeah, but I mean, there's also like you're here now. Are you gonna you gonna be here? Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, right? for sure. Ceasefire gets ceasefire gets called next month. Oh, yeah. Like, was that is it in there? Like, what's yeah. Up? What's up? Because they're gonna break it. Yeah, I don't want I don't want to be negative or like yeah. unappreciative as well. But I'm just amazed, like the malleability of like Palestine liberation work into the arts like it's hard to think of a lot i mean, know there's historical precedents for this but like it's hard to think of a lot of other social justice movements that where Palestine has been inserted in and on one hand i'm like well i think everyone is just seeing the carnage the devastation the misery um and at the same not just seeing that by the same token seeing the most resilient people you've ever seen in your life as well experiencing those two intense intense feelings all at the same time like stirs people up and then how that manifests into like art or culture or activity or community coming together you know i think is, is a whole nother thing like we're largely experiencing those things on our phones on socials but then like we come together in person to do something about it to express something to be in the same room as people who are like thinking the same thing which is the world is full of monsters like yeah i just don't i if i sit here on my phone like staring at this longer i'm just going to continue to believe that there's nothing but monsters out there i need yeah. to be in a space of people who are who are people of conscience who are decent and i don't know that's just some of my free-for-all kind of thoughts yeah. on, thoughts on the matter too but i'm i'm so i'm so like astounded by the malleability of this movement to be woven into to so much because it's yeah. like it, it like you're saying it crosses diy culture like all the way up to like pop star status it's punk it's hardcore it's jazz it's you know it's like indie it's like everything it's rap like it's, it's just amazing mm -hmm. you see it at, you see it at every turn mm -hmm. yes literally every instant it's like and then it's like it's in every institution as well, even the ones who, you know, every it's in the administration, the, you know, it's in the Biden administration, even though they they won't, they're, you know, their staffers are revolting, you know, like every institute, like the human rights campaign, like, you know, for example, like the LGBTQ rights organization that, you know, for still for some reason accepts money from weapons manufacturers that, you know, like these kinds of things, like 
it's everywhere. And then it's just, it's only among those who are accountable to the monsters that have yet to like fully, you know, um, nah. it's the last, the last, uh, yes. the last inf like, uh, infected space. Yeah. Yes. The bitter end. The bitter end. Yeah. That's that. Of course they're the, they're the ones who need to be unraveled. Of course. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to also shout out the, the Dunham's and Manas release from last year. It's a live album featuring Dunham's and, and Manos, who are the duo of, of Tashi Dorji and Tom Wynn. Um, all proceeds from the digital version go directly to supporting the work of Medical Aid for Palestine. Um, so I'm going to link that in the show notes too, along along with some other stuff. But yeah, please support that. Please support MAP and uh, you know treat yourself to some very fantastic and noisy <laughs> jams. Those are some of the melodies from the It's In Your Ribs record. Um, ah. And I played it live and had Tashi and Tom play um, play with me. And yeah, they just took it to another. They they pushed, they pushed me into another realm. <laughs> and we just went there together. Um, but the the core melodic content, which I think we'll we'll probably talk a little bit about, I think, because we get some of the songs, because some of these songs are inspired, some of the songs that I picked for today are like inspirations for that record. Um, uh, but yeah, the core melodic content um, is derivative from the It's In Your Ribs record. Ah, mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw I saw Tashi Doji play live once he opened for Sumak. And I will never, I will never forget that performance. Yeah. That is, I have never seen someone do do the guitar like that yeah <laughs> totally yeah he's 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 so wonderful he just organized a uh benefit show uh for palestine youth movement that we played um just last weekend so does he live out there yeah he lives in Asheville. Mm -hmm. oh word that's awesome yeah yeah i feel like i see his name pop up in so many places if he seems like such like a con like a glue that like connects so many different scenes and and, and whatnot like the podcast is so much about rabbit holes, but like, it's so nice to just like have like a starting point with, for someone and just like follow them where they go. Yeah. And I feel like he's one of, he's just one of those dudes. He's a force. He's such a force. Yeah. Force with God's. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the Muslims, um, mm -hmm. not the, not the religion, the, the band. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we need to talk the truth about these goddamn Muslims. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I th I think I found out somewhat recently that you're 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 in the band, and so I've been listening to it a bunch. And if I were to give someone an elevator pitch for the Muslims, I would say simply that you all have a track called "John McCain's Ghost Sneaks Into the White House and Teabags the President." And, <laughs> and I feel like that's that's, that's it. That's the best. That's the best. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> also, like on Epitaph Records, which 
you know, whatever. I'm not like glorifying a label, but I, that is epitaph is very much like what I grew up, the shit I grew up on. Like I'm 40. I grew up when I was 14, 17, all epitaph records, all fat records. I was that type of late nineties, early, early two thousands kind of punk bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> of which I still have, I, which, which I still have affinity for. Yeah. Same. I don't have to say about that, but same. Yeah. Yeah. That would have is very different now, but um, it's, it's still finding its way to young, young listeners, you know, which is probably why I don't have an affinity for a lot of the artists now, except for my band that's on it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, that's a pretty wild partnership with Muslims and Epitaph Records. Uh, Muslims are great. We started after Trump got elected. We need an outlet. The uh, songwriter and leader of the band, um, Kader, uh, had a lot to say. Beautiful lyricist. Um, wonderful anthemy songs. Pop punk inspired to, to its core. And um, so, so fun. So, so fun for us to perform as and make records with it's just a fun great band yeah definitely agree it definitely it definitely takes me to a to sort of a nostalgic musical place but like with the most biting angst filled and like just direct lyrics like it's just it's great it's per it's perfect for like the trump moment but it's also just perfect for for all mo for all moments like yeah in, with, sure. within the empire of course for sure I, i've had this debate with a couple of my friends it doesn't seem like the most considerate question to ask as like there's an ongoing genocide but while we were talking about art and Palestine and stuff like in bds like can you imagine an artist going over to play in Israel, like israel like i don't know in the future like in any time in the future could i imagine what to, to, could could who imagined someone else doing it? <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> can, can... <laughs> sorry sorry I, I got confused i got like i got triggered what happened sorry go ahead <laughs> There's obviously like a, a you know you don't cross the like don't yes don't play in, don't play in Israel like yeah. some artists like are hyper committed to this from like your Brian Eno's to like your Roger Waters right yeah and then you got like the the middle ground motherfuckers in a cave Radiohead Nick cave, like yeah the, yeah who think like their music is gonna like like change like somebody's heart like and shit like <laughs> they're that the really naive sort of thing I don't know I'm just like after what we're seeing like i i just i just pray like from an arts perspective like that this is it is the most boycotted place to ever perform any kind of art like whatsoever yeah like i just have had some conversations with people who say like i just cannot imagine like an artist artist big to small like performing in israel like after all this mm. I, I i'm i'm pretty certain that there are that there will definitely be some artists that will go there that will just know that what they're aligning with you know they they know yeah but uh in terms of in terms of like the the ones like i i do and i but i agree in terms of like the ones who maybe had some realm of ignorance you know like i think like no name um rapper no name is like a good example because she played in israel one time and then came back and then she had the knowledge of what was going on and then she like issued an apology like that's like the worst uh worst decision she ever made in her career you know what i mean like that experience that is not gonna happen again you know what i mean like those folks who are like our people who we who you know have 
integrity and decency and a sense of, you know, whatever goodness in their spirit, though I don't think anyone's going to touch playing there. Those, those folks, there's no going to be no middle, no middle ground. That's like un, un, unaware anymore. Yeah. But, you're saying you can't, you can't say you didn't know. Exactly. No there, one can. You can't say, you can't say the show was just canceled because of technical difficulties anymore. You know, it's, it's just, you're not, you know, it's just like, you're not going because of what it is. Yeah. It's wild. Like, it makes me think of like that band, big thief, you know? Yep. Um, cause the bass player lives in Tel Aviv. Um, and he seems to be pretty, uh, on his fuck shit a little bit with, where he stands, even though he wears like Feru's shirts and shit like that, live performances. Um, that doesn't mean anything. What's that? Said that doesn't mean anything. I know, right? Um, but uh, yeah, whatever. Compensation. It, you know, the, you know, the, you know those like you. I mean, maybe you've maybe you know like you know how like Yaffa has its own like now like hippie Israeli settler scene. They're like progressive esque, yeah. you know, Arab Haifa vibes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. like we can. That. Li- we can... You know, we're in a, we're the example of a, of a city that figured out how to live together kind of thing. Yeah. While ignoring, while ignoring just still the fundamental, the fundamental like apartheid nature. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Let's see if they're even a band, you know, after this, you know, that's what I'm curious about. Um, well, what was that whole dust up? Cause they, right. They announced a tour what, and they were, they were going to play there and there was an immediate, like uh, I, I'm assuming activists reached out directly and I know that they ended up canceling putting out a statement but like i don't i don't know any of like i don't know how much um i don't know how much they fought it i guess i'll say uh they put out a statement that was like we support bds you know and like we yeah like that was after the pushback for they're playing at a show playing a show in tel aviv and we don't support the occupation whatsoever and then the venue that they canceled from issued like you know obviously we know how fascists react (laughs) to these kinds of things they responded with like shame and guilt and insults and all this stuff that really you know validated everyone's knowledge of what would happen and what they were stepping into and i think it kind my impression my impression is there's that my impression is that they're divided as a band i think a little bit that's that's my read but uh they don't want to disappoint their fans and their fans i don't think are predominantly (laughs) pro-israel uh so yeah i guess so i mean they're they're a pretty big band right they're pretty big yeah so i just always imagined they would just have sort of a i don't know like a a fan base that would be like apathetic versus like a fan base of like a no name but of course you know i'm comparing i'm comparing apples and oranges i suppose yeah yeah we'll see you know i used to like when i find out about new bands sometimes that are moderately large i'd like google them to see if they ever played a show in Israel, it's kind of like my my like has to has to kind of like pass the barometer. It is, yeah. It's like my test a little bit, you know, because that that's important to me. Um, and I hope you're right. I hope you're right that there's just it's dry as hell culturally over there as it should be. You know, all they know how to do is lie, cheat, and steal. So and DJ and DJ <laughs> uh, DJ hard trance music. Which I barely know what that is. Yeah, same. <laughs> it's also probably just, all right. Well, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, he's saying it's, it's, it's that's still colonizer shit to me. You know. Still oh yeah, of course. House, house music, and all that shit. Anyway. Oh, of course, of course. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That's that. Is there any? Is there any wonder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. 
why it's the why it's the music of choice. I mean, they're either stealing uh, stealing ours, stealing Arabi music, or uh, or, or or DJing. Can you, can, is there one? I, I I'm trying to and struggling to think of a band from Israel. Whatever band you to tell me, I'm sure is dog shit. Oh man, yeah. I have a I have some I have some. Actually, I'm writing something on a on an Israeli artist who lives in New York right now. Um, who is in the experimental music scene who has has a lot of <laughs> i don't know this is a good time actually you know what fuck it this guy uh guitarist uh what's his name um yonatan got he was in the band monotonics and now he has his own project where he plays with uh they're kind of like a punk band right yeah they're a punk band um, garagey right garagey very um rockish shows but uh he's since kind of trying to make an identity for himself as like a composer um in the u.s and has is on a lot of prominent labels um that many of us know and his newest project is he's playing with indigenous artists from um the u.s i think they're the artists are um powwow drummers from the wampanoag um tribes and um and playing like bluesy noise guitar over the powwow drums and it's deeply appropriative and problematic and a lot of his mission in music as a composer is to create cultural identity in a sonic landscape of what israel sounds like and it's deeply problematic and he's just out here he's just out here i'm curious what's going to happen to him in his career as people continue to isolate him but he works predominantly with israelis too so we'll see wow creating music a soundscape of what israel sounds like yeah that's like his stated one of his stated missions yeah yeah he's kind of wafted over the years i've read some of his interviews and it's like really um it's it's like he doesn't i think he's just i, I mean to be honest i just think he's just ignorant i think and he's like indoctrinated and he says things that are like anti-state sometimes anti-establishment and then he says things sometimes that are like the israeli people are like you know hard on the outside and sweet on the inside and trying to find that and trying to find parallels and music and creating music culture in Israel that isn't just um, of its influences, what he says, but really it's like, it's not of its influences, bro. It's like, it's settler rock. It's settler, settler music. <laughs> it's like, rock. you know what I mean? It's like, this is what colonization sounds like and does. And he's just part of it. And now he's aligning himself with indigenous artists in the U S and it's very ugly. It's very ugly. Anyway. Damn, that is. I had no idea that existed. I'll send you my notes. I'm simultaneously like, yeah, fascinated by this, like in a dark, in a dark way. But also like I just wish I I wish this person wasn't doing any of that shit. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you some more. Just call it if you're gonna do it, just call it what it is. Settler rock. It's settler. It's settler rock. We gotta just be honest, y'all. There is some settler rock out there, and I'll tell you what, Israel is trying to make it, so yeah, as uh, Muhammad Al-Kurd often says, that Zionism does not contain multitudes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the, the last thing I want to ask before you jump to these tracks just is a basic, basic bitch question, I suppose. But like, uh, you know, in your view, from your from your perspective, like, what what can listeners do to support Palestinian liberation? I think the way that the calls have been moving, the calls to action have been moving um, by Palestinian-led organizations like Palestine Youth Movement and Adala Justice Project 
Um, I would say in, if you're in, if you're listening and you're in North America and you're like what to do, I think the way that they've framed like the ask of the moment is literally do everything, whether it's making calls or raising, raising money or um, educating friends and family or holding events, all is welcome, all is necessary. And we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing, we're still, we're still mobilizing, we're still attending protests, we're doing as much as we can. And we have to, we have to, and it's chipping away at the, the enormity of just, I don't know what this is historic ban and censorship that, that has been, that has clouded the solidarity movement for so long. Like, like if you're just coming into this and being like, wow, this is horrible and you're stepping in for the first time, I want to let you know that like, there's so many people who have been isolated, continue to be, but in, but even before this moment have isolated, banned, doxxed, lost positions, um, uh, employment, you know, isolated from communities and um, because of because of standing up for Palestine and it has to be normal. It has to be normal. So do everything you can is important. And then if you're an artist, you know, the um, the musicians union has some really good resources about things you can do at your shows, like raising money or selling e-sims, um, things like that, that have been um, becoming standard practice for artists who are touring or doing events and shows and uh, doing more of that. So I'll definitely drop that into the notes because there are there are some definitely some artists and musicians who listen to this who I talk to. So yeah, that's a great resource to throw into. I, I would the only thing I'll add is just don't stop. Whatever yeah. you're doing, just don't don't stop. That's the stopping is the is what we can't do. Yeah. And the, what's been motivating about what we're seeing is it's not stopping. Yeah. People thought the people who want want us to stop thought we would and think and now are i think are coming to understand that it will not stop and it's the incessance and the uh consistency that is uh that is the threat and i think we're as a movement we're able to have stamina in this moment because people have pitched in in a way that they haven't before and there's more support underneath us um, and we can step out and take breaks and heal ourselves and then hop back in. So that's all, that's all healthy shit. That's something that I know people always was very much the ask, like, <laughs> you know, several years ago and it's here in some form. Yeah, for sure. All right. So yeah, let's get into these tracks. Uh, let's that's, do it. We're here to party at the end of the day. <laughs> are songs to play at the liberation party like how, how did you just like real quick how did you approach this mission did you put too much thought into it or was it just all like i know exactly what the fuck's going on here like <laughs> <laughs> uh, i put a lot of thought into it it's it, it feels very personal to me um there's some that i think i have like um you know direct 
stories to tell about, but I think some of them, some of the songs here are ones that are like helping me feel more free personally in this moment um, and in their own ways. So it's a mix of my own inner world and outer expectations. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear some of your stories yeah. around these. Let's let's kick it off here. This is we're just gonna go back and forth. So I think we have something like eighteen tracks here. This is a it's a lengthy playlist, and we're just gonna kind of go back and forth on our tracks. There's not really any any particular order to this, so you know this may not be how it would appear in party order, but you know we'll I'll, I'll actually assemble these tracks into a playlist and and post that into um into the episode. I'll probably do like a streaming one, and then I'll try and find maybe if I could put a band camper together or something for all these tracks. I'll do that. I'll do that too. Okay. This first one is your pick. This was uh cool waves by spiritualized. I'll, uh, I'll let you take it away. Why did you go with this one? I'm of course very familiar with this track and album. One of my faves. Yeah. Love this song. Um, well, one, uh, J Spaceman, um, also of Spaceman three, who is, uh, writes the songs for Spiritualized, is down with the cause, and we love to see that. Um, and I'm very pleased to know that because I love Spiritualized, and I love Spaceman 3. <laughs> this song, I just want to say, like, Cool Waves. Um, the lyrics are, Cool Waves wash over me um, over and over again. Um, place, or like things like, take place your sweet hand uh, on mine and because I love you because I love you and just the overwhelming orchestration of like love and like elemental like wash that just is part of the song is very healing and there is a longing uh, and there's a knowledge that at the end of all of this we will need to heal and it will be a lifelong journey for many of our people and having a song like we'll be partying and like there's some there's some deep 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 um healing that we need to do some grieving some burying some remembering um and some releasing and i think love will be at the core of that and this song is is essential and so great that this is the first one too i mean spiritualized especially on this i mean on, on all their records i think this is a through line but on this album especially they have this ability to be like so many things at once like joyous raucous and like devastatingly sad all at the same time and this is a song that strikes a lot of moods it's like initial joy but then there's like a melancholy associated with uh with a newfound freedom too because naturally we'll be thinking about who's not here you know so yeah this was uh as soon as i heard this as soon as i saw that this was on your list i was like yeah this is just is in, in elementally just the the right move right here the next track was uh was one that i picked this is from a group called sabrine the song is called on man so I just found out about Sabrine recently and it, it, it blew my mind that there was this you know, alternative Palestinian folk group from Jerusalem who were active in the 80s and the 90s. And I also did not realize that Camilia Jubran, do you know, do you know who she is? Sorry, who would you say? Uh, Camilia Jubran, have you, have you heard her stuff? She was a singer of this band, but nice. she's also like an experimental composer 
who does a lot of like avant-garde experimental stuff like very rooted in like like classical Arabi music but I didn't know that she was the singer of this band because I've listened to a few of her record of her like solo records and and I didn't know that she cut her teeth in like this Palestinian folk rock group but this song is from the band's debut album called uh, Smoke of the Volcanoes from 1984 they put out five albums spanning from 1984 to 2003 I, I have a little thing according to the band uh, Sabrine's recordings coincided with different episodes of Palestinian history and have reflected the larger political, social, and historical realities of their day. As a group of young people in their day, Sabrine felt a need to express their individuality as well as their collective generation's view of society through music. The music of Sabrine is a reflection of the Palestinian experience. I don't know, I just thought that was so cool. This band from, from Al-Quds who were keeping Palestinian folk music alive, but like they're not traditionalists either. Like when you hear the song, I suppose it may sound traditional to people who haven't heard a lot of like uh, Arabi music, but it's it's very clearly a band that's infusing a lot of different sounds outside the region um, as influences, you know, from jazz to like classical music and even to like rock music too. This, they kind of are like described as like a indie band from Jerusalem, like a Palestinian indie band from Jerusalem in the, in the 80s. And I just thought, I don't know. I've, I've just always been on the search for like bands like that. And maybe I just don't know this. I don't know the scene that well. Like I know there's a shitload of new and innovative and interesting music coming from Palestine now or in the last like 20 years. But I mean, this is this is the 80s and 90s. So I just thought this was I, I thought this was a beautiful track, too. That's awesome. So this next one was yours. This is a uh, hooray for the riffraff. I actually have only heard this band name. I've never heard them before. Why'd you go with this one? I am a sucker for this song. I'm I'm, I'm kicking off with like, uh, I'm kicking off. I think you'll start to notice as we kind of go down this path. This is the, we're, we're, we're still in the internal world here. I really like Hooray for the Riff Raff's uh, most recent album. And listening to it, this song has been kind of like on my ready to go playlist since October, early October and there's a quality to it. Um, I, I have a playlist. I guess I'll just, I'll just be honest. I have a playlist um, that I go to all the time that's uh, called Songs That Go To Therapy. And um, <laughs> this one is on it. And there's something that I think in me and in my spirit that I, it's, it's, it's a song that I feel like helps me sustain. And um, there's a experience and there's a value and virtue in Palestinian culture of samud and that steadfastness and that's holding on and being steady and on the path and i truly feel um like sonically this song it just chugs it just is moving in the same motion the whole way um and then is a song about relinquishing the past and really kind of there's some resentment there's some anger there there's some um, hurt and then there's like hope and a future leaning vision and when I say like this song really helps me release and move forward and carry and kind of shake off some of the baggage of how hard some of this is um, referring back to the world is full of monsters um, feeling that can sometimes invade um, my spirit uh, this is one of the songs that helps me help, helps me um, get through those moments therapeutic song yeah early in the early in the playlist i love it this next one is the artist is abu wafsi the song is uh, deg 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 deglo this is just me picking a dubke banger um for the sole reason that this is going to be a lot of arabi people partying 
And if there's one kind of music that is going to get them all to pop off, it's it's Debke. So I just imagine an entire country Debkeing together, all linking hands, like the the world's largest Debke ever seen <laughs> type thing. Uh, so much Debkeing that we that we set off a minor earthquake. Even <laughs> I don't know if that's how how that shit works, but but this is our mix, and you know we can defy the rules of science geology if we want. So. You know, I just think like the percussive drive and constant like keyboard like runs and the hype man style of singing and like shabby and Debke music from all over like the Levant. This is from Surya. It's just so universal. Like you don't you don't have to be even remotely Arab to like get down to this. And and I'm I'm like a very bashful dancer, unfortunately. But the best way to get me to dance would be to uh, you know play this and like. You know, we can all dubke on a on a on a mass graveyard of IOF soldiers. <laughs> so anything, there's nothing that special about this track. I mean, it's it bangs for sure. But and it came off of like this dubke comp that I listen to sometimes. But I don't know. I just I just I just wanted to throw this in. Maybe this is too soon in the in the flow of things. But um, you know, if we have the aux chord, you know, and people and some people in the crowd are like, okay, what are all these like slow like melancholy songs like you know you, you gotta keep you gotta keep them in you gotta throw 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 them a little bit of red meat sometimes 100 i'm glad it's here yeah this next one is uh was this the habibi funk song yeah this is a habibi funk um artist isam uh, hajali isam hajali yeah that's right yeah i had to get him in here um i actually yeah had followed habibi funk i think you know uh going going off of this like this trend, you know, like uh, that Debka song, I think is also comes from a like a Western label or that was the one that you put up. Habibi Funk, I think the guy was like a German or Belgian or something like that. Yeah, he's a German guy. Oh, yeah. German white guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is like, this is go back to the experience of being in diaspora. Like I saw that, I, I heard, I heard an Islam Hajjali song on uh, Rami, <laughs> like on the end credits of Rami. <laughs> Totally, and then, yeah. and then like uh, remember the Heavy B Funk uh, release and went back and listened to it, and yeah, and it kind of uh, you know opened opened um, just like some space for me to like look at the poetry and uh, the songwriter's music. Isama is from uh, Lebanon, but um, a lot of his songs are uh, poems from uh, Samih Al Qasim. Um, who was a is it's a was a uh, Druzy poet from Palestine lived some of his life in Haifa and um, really kind of melancholic and um, deep and then because it's short I was like there's some there's and the, the poetry in it is short and dense it it felt like a mystery to me and and the lyrics I what we love some of these lyrics so I'll just kind of read read them. Um, I've run into this problem before when I've been like playing um, Arabic music to people during this time, but I feel like people are seeking kind of resistant songs and stories where I don't provide a little bit of translation and people feel kind of lost or confused a little bit. Um, we'll get into this later on with some of the future tracks in the playlist, but um, <laughs> but just a little bit of a taste can kind of ground the experience. And so the, lyric the lyrics of the song translate to, he came back from his journey of the seasons, carrying anthems and pledges. And they claimed that in those days he'd say, in the cracks of darkness, I will return. And they claimed that they heard in darkness, howling and baying from the border, who, pray tell, knew the deceased. So 
that's like the core poem of this song and the virtue of return being present here and all of the probably hardships that will come with that um and welcome hardships that will come with that feels feels present here to me do you recall which season or episode of rami this was yeah this isn't this song was not in the in rami but his other song hopes was in an episode of rami uh, oh same artist same yeah artist, same artist yeah different track got you okay i thought maybe it was like you know the season where he's returning to to egypt or something and like there's some kind of interpreting those lyrics but if it's not the right song i really like a lot of the habibi funk stuff i mean it's just it's a really cool like archival like project of course and i i feel like the the guy i i mean i hear i hear people who are like sh- like shocked to find out the guy's identity and like i think there maybe there's some there's a little bit of like in the beginning it was it seemed like it was kept kept a secret very publicly and i think that's changed over time and i think that there's a lot of reverence and obviously this is someone like deeply interested in this music for for the right reasons of course but yeah this was this was great this is a, i read this was originally released in a limited run of 75 cassette tape copies uh isam is the the singer and main composer of the of the lebanese band uh, uh Ard. but yeah I, I don't know i think i think the real freaks are gonna stay on the dance floor for this one this is such a this is such a cool weird track maybe some uh hashish gets lit up on this one i don't know So my next one is uh, Al Fajr Group. The track is Halalaleya. Um, this is a folk group of uh, Palestinians that formed in Kuwait in 1987. I discovered this on the the amazing label of the Majaz Project, which is like a newer um, label, archival label of Arab music with a particular focus on on Palestinian resistance music. Al Fajr Group recorded on real tapes uh, during the first Intifada in 1988. They were unable to release this particular album due to the, um, the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait. All the band members were forced to leave the country and, and couldn't like reunite to release the second album. So, so this, like all of the releases on Majaz, are, are resurrections of like past documents compiled with like resurfaced tracks, um, a lot of like painstaking research into the artists, a lot of like deep connection from the founder to like this music as well. Um, so this is this is a very serious pick for the party. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be an emotional thing, of course, um, you know, because there are so many that did, that didn't make it to the party, um, and that won't be lost on anybody. So we got to sprinkle in songs like this, where like that have a beautiful chorus that everyone can sing along to. Like even if you've never heard this song, like by the time the first the chorus comes around the first time, the second time, like you know it already because it's got that like sing songy, almost like lullaby, like kid, little kid child song kind of quality that like you never quite let go it's just too like embedded in our in our early early like life psyches or something so i don't know i wanted i wanted to bring this in because it's a beautiful song and and this is a celebration of victory um as well so yeah that's that's my reasoning and i wanted to shout out majaz project too of course yeah we gotta shout them out and i think they're also that's this is of these there will be a few i feel like an artist in this playlist that have been like released by like white dudes um, in the West, and I my, my, but Majaz Project is uh, Palestinian led. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow them on follow them on socials, and yeah. that will be glare, glaringly obvious. By all their records, they're incredible. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard the Intifada album? I have that one, and I'm I'm waiting on this one in the mail. 
currently. Yeah. You're waiting on this one. Yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna order this one too. I'm just like, oh, I have to. Yeah, absolutely. Word. Okay. I think you got a you got a track up. Ornette Coleman, City Living. Yes. All right. So I love this track. This one is an is allegory for me. Okay. So now we're going into the external world. <laughs> um, uh, you know, we I guess Islam is a little bit external, but the, this Ornette track for me, Ornette Ornette's music is like deep allegory, um, and I particularly really love uh, his like definition of harmelodics and the way that he's described it in relationship to society. And harmelodics could, for like a simpler way of getting into it, is like a melodic structure or structure for composing music that um, is kind of like beyond, beyond like um, template or form or structure. It's not imposed upon by Western music theory or things like that. It's uh, and it's, you know, it could be described as like atonality, but it's beautiful. And a lot of Ornette's writing and commentary during the time that he uh, had the primetime band. And then this album, which was released in, uh, was it 1985? 85. Um, yeah. yeah, opening the Caravan of Dreams, um, really deployed a lot of his like feeling and sentiment and theory around harmelodics. Um, and in particular, I couldn't find the essay. I believe it's on the liner notes of the Dancing in Your Head album, where he talks about melody as being like a unit of culture. It's a vessel of culture. It's a container of culture and meaning. And we have been inundated and saturated with pop and rock and all these forms that derive from Western music. Um, harmony and Western Western harmony and these ideas of what sounds good and what sounds bad and harmelodics breaks these things down and then creates new structures and new new meaning through composing music that is highly repetitive highly in intoxicating cyclical uh, ecstatic music that um, is also atonal and and some of his writings i think he said we're talking not just about music we're also about changing society beyond what our like imaginations or beyond or whatever our imaginations are or prerequisites um currently exist um to the point where we could have a mailman in the future walking down the street uh, whistling in a an atonal melody and that society will be inherently different yeah and so i love this particular era of Ornette and I find it very inspiring and I think as an Arab and as a Palestinian I have long languished at the lack of imagination in states and the nation state and neoliberalism and capitalism and these like forms that exist in our society and the Palestinian Authority feels like an example of like how the current the current iteration of the Palestinian Authority feels like an example of just the immense immense uh, oppressive power of you know establishment thinking and ideas, but also just like those who have embraced this like form of neoliberalism, who are members of the of the Palestinian Authority, um, have just like they just they're dream killers. They're dream killers. You know, I mean, it's like 
this is the vessel for changing like no it's absolutely not we know it's not we know this won't work this isn't the society we want to live in this isn't the world that we want no one wants that you know no one respects that and yet as it is, continues to be the only option and so for these ornette tracks and the ways that he just breaks out of form and then drives it until it's catchy that i love i love it so much uh, and i find it very inspiring and we're gonna have and if and when palestine is free and we return under in the ideal circumstance we're gonna build something radically different than what's already been determined inshallah inshallah yeah, i love that you drew a line between this era of Ornette Coleman, which I'm unfamiliar with, and and what the PA represents, uh, <laughs> that's so awesome. I love that. I was I was following through. The, the through line was there the entire way. That's amazing. I had never heard this, but I'm also like just the top tip of the spear when it comes to Ornette Coleman. I mean, I I've read a bit about his uh, you know his philosophy as it pertains to. To music and inner and outer culture and, and, and what it represents and what it's trying to uh, what, what he's trying to manipulate in, in the culture a little bit so that all that all kind of adds up to me but I, I'm certainly gonna learn a lot more try and learn a lot more about this man because there's uh, there's obviously a lot there but yeah you're gonna you're gonna freak out the elders with this one for sure but that's the point right yes <laughs> yes <laughs> I think I think we'll be into it. The thing is, it'll freak us out at first. By the yeah, end, yeah. But by the end of the track, we're gonna be fucking grooving. That's, a, that's it's just sort of an initially jarring thing, right? It's the 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 car crash between between ourselves, how we've like ingested culture, and and, and this other thing coming 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 in directly, right? But also, like, where will our minds and hearts be in such a place of ecstatic like celebration and like this fulfillment right too we'll be probably a lot more like opened up we'll be opened up and vulnerable in ways that we can't imagine right we're opening the caravan of dreams yeah, <laughs> yeah. beautiful <laughs> well i'm gonna i'm gonna do my, my next one this is uh here come the warm jets by brian eno um i chose this one because there's something oddly comfortable about this track sounds like the arrival of something to me and also you know Eno's always been a steadfast ally and supporter of palestinian human rights and liberation and uh, you know i don't want to we don't want to pick tracks just solely based based on that like otherwise we just have a bunch of like you know just like radical cool artists on there but the you know the the songs matter themselves so this just happens happens to be the case and yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, you know, it's kind of is a, a bit of a king to me. He's had only because he's had some kind of direct or indirect hand at, at like so many like rock forms and experimental music forms, and I just feel like he's had he's had his hand in in, in so much and has touched so much and has been unafraid of 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 so, of so many different avenues of music. It's it's hard to like no matter if you're into like really you know mainstream stuff uh, or really really underground stuff like there's probably an, an Eno like hand in there like indirectly and like in some kind of way so I don't know I just I just respect the guy I respect that he respects the boycott and you know anybody who respects respected the boycott can can join us for this party you just uh, just don't you just don't gentrify <laughs> you're not gonna get a beachfront property we don't care how much fucking money you have <laughs> yes yeah, I think you're up on the next one. I have a feeling this one's a special one for you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh boy. All right. <laughs> so I grew up in North Carolina and that means that a middle class auto family in North Carolina and in the summertime we go to Myrtle Beach which is the kind of like this like you know Vegasy weird Vegasy type beach uh, and then very amusement parky and then in the fall and uh, beautiful like leaf changing seasons we go to Pigeon Forge Tennessee and Dollywood and so I love Dolly Parton I've grown i feel like dolly parton has always been good <laughs> i don't know like of this like mindset like dolly parton is a force of good in the world i think a lot of people in my like queer community also feel that way about dolly parton and then um, i've definitely experienced that yeah for sure yeah a hero in in so many in so many ways right yeah totally and i say this as also not knowing much about her you know um but i also like grew up on wu-tang and the chorus of this song is like oh you know old dirty bastard sings it and um and in another song um slightly different but let's uh, but let's get back to the song dolly pardon kenny rogers islands in the stream come on it's just candy it's just delicious it sounds good it's a duet about love and love making and sometimes i sing it to myself when I feel like I need some like juice of like love for myself and love for being like Palestinian in this fucked up world. And you know what? At, when we get free, there's gonna be hella people getting married. Hella babies being born. And you know what? If it's if, if some of this is happening, some of this song is playing at the beach, at, at the beach party, and people are dancing and grooving and feeling each other, I'm into it. I love it. I'm just obsessed with like, this, this just five and song kenny rogers i'm gonna go ahead and say it he's probably a piece of shit i don't know anything about him but <laughs> you can tell he's a piece of shit um like I think so yeah like a lot of the men who visit dolly's life but um we're gonna groove to this song were they romantically involved i don't i don't know i don't think so um either but this song is a i think is a great song i love yeah yeah this is i mean yeah who doesn't know and love this song come on I didn't know this song was written by the Bee Gees. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah, originally written by a couple of the Bee Gees guys and, and shared with them. Yeah, I, I think I need to explore. Like, is there a whole... Are there several albums of Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, like, albums that I should be I'm just, getting in on? I, there's no... There's no depth or allegory here. Like, the last songs, yeah. I have nothing except... I love it, and I want to hear it. <laughs> Yeah, this is the the beach, the beach jam for sure, no doubt. I don't. This is such a stupid story. I don't know why I'm telling it, but I'm already. I've already prefaced it, so I have to tell it. It just reminds me of when I was a young, young like uh, new metal kid. I really loved that band, System of a Down. Yeah. And I remember watching this interview with them, where um, they they were always fucked with like whoever they was interviewing with them. Them, they were just like these like immature like little punks, and that's what was appealing about them. And. <laughs> Somebody asks, starts, you know, an interviewer is asking them about the, like, the harmonizing that the Surge and the guitarist do with each other on, like, some of their albums. And they were talking about how Dolly Parton, that Dolly Parton and Kanye Rogers is their primary influence for that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, this, this transcends every, every subculture out there. <laughs>
All right, my next track is, uh, it's got another slower, a little bit of a slower come down song. This is Michael Hurley's uh, tea song. And I chose this for a very wholesome reason. We're going to need to subrshai. And um, we're going to have to pour some, some tea with mint at some point in this party. And uh, that's all the song is about. It's just about a guy preparing tea in his kitchen. The song is from the first Michael Hurley um, album from 1965. I think people forget like how far back this guy goes. Um, because he still releases music to this day and never stopped. But yeah, this is a, this is a simple song. From a fellow uh, Falahi um, of the white variety, but um, very, very much tied to the land, too. I don't know if you're into Michael Hurley at all. I'm a fan, but yeah. I feel like the discography goes for too long. So I don't I sometimes lose, lose, lose my my anchors. But I have heard yes. songs I really enjoy. It's very long, but also like it kind of doesn't matter what Michael Hurley you listen to, because it's just like it's always so Michael Hurley. You know what I mean? It's just that like on a what is it called like a, a rocking it's like rocking chair music you know what i mean just like going like this rock, it's rocking in your chair so i don't know it's the shy connection it may it may be a little bit of a you know in the in terms of like the cadence of the playlist <laughs> this may not be the best thing <laughs> someone might wrestle the ox cord away from me at this point or whatever but you know we're gonna be drinking some shy that's all i know that's for sure all right how about this uh deer hoof track scarcity is manufactured Deerhoof's incredible. They're one of my favorite bands. I'm obsessed with Deerhoof. I think Deerhoof puts a lot of elements into practice that are similar to what I've kind of expressed with my love for like Ornette and that era. And they rock, they're kind, they're pro-Palestine, they love people. And the title of the song is Scarcity is Manufactured. And yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I I just can rock out. I think, like, I'm getting to this place in the playlist where, like, it's kind of like going into a perfume store and, like, you can only smell, like, one or two perfumes before you lose your sense of smell, you know? Um, and at this point, I'm like, I don't remember what this song sounds like. Um, so I don't remember what, how, how it smells or how it tastes or how it feels. But I, I, I do recall that it bangs. It's... Um, fast it's a static and it's abundant and abundance is a virtue that i truly believe is gonna be part of our liberation story when we see all the things that have been kept from us all the things that have been blockaded suddenly return suddenly available suddenly accessible within reach it's going to be this song yeah i mean the guitar tone on this is amazing it sounds like a marimba or something it's kind of got this this caribbean kind of like feel to it it's so it's like proggy, but it's also just, it's so easy to follow. Deerhoof is like a, a rabbit hole that I have been avoiding for too long. Like I've definitely heard their stuff, but like never just like been like, I'm starting here and I'm gonna go. And I'm, I tend to be kind of a sequential kind of guy too. So like type listener. So I know I need to go down this rabbit hole. I also, yeah, I didn't know until the last few months, like Deerhoof like posts on Twitter. I'm like, whoa, comrade right here. There's like going fucking hard, like as you should, yeah. not mincing any words, not giving a single fuck, like who who unfollows or raises a stink or something. So, yeah, yeah, lots of respect there, of course. Lots of respect. Yeah, that's also an interesting point you make about um, you know, maybe all the things we would bring with us. I know the internet has like you know so much is accessible, like as a result of of that or whatever. But it is true, like 
when we go back, like we're bringing, we're bringing our, our boxes of records with us, right? Like we're bringing, we're bringing all this stuff. Like we got a lot to show each other, right? Like our, our cousins and our, and our families and our, you know, non-blood relatives, but larger Palestinian families. Like we have a lot, we have a lot to share with each other. And I think that's going to be like such an amazing part of the whole thing. Absolutely. All right, on this next one, I picked... This is a Habibi funk track. This is uh, Hamid al-Sha'ri. Ayunha, do you know the song? I feel like this is... This is like one of the the most well-known Habibi funk tracks. Maybe, for me, um, if we hear it. Yeah, I think I, I don't recall it. It is... I mean, if, you, if, if you're hearing this song for the first time, Sajad, you're gonna, like, you're gonna fall in love with it. It is so good. It is from Hamid's early '80s material, uh, early material before he became like a big, big pop star. And I picked, I picked this song because of Gaza, because this song should be played on uh, beach parties in Gaza. The, the although we'll have more, a lot more beach line, of course, than just Gaza. <laughs> but the song is just talks about, you know, the he says, you know, the, the color of her eyes is the color of the sea. It's got these. It's definitely just like yanking some yacht rock, like kind of stuff, like Doobie Brothers. The kind of shuffle kind of thing and us Arabs deserve our own yacht rock you know but like fuck yachts but you know we'll be on like western naval like cargo ships that that the Yemeni sailed over yes, <laughs> or something yes that's that's <laughs> that is right <laughs> so we'll come up with this, it won't be yacht rock it'll be some it'll be <laughs> some catchier than what i just did of course, that's just my revolutionary boat boat party fantasy and of course all the yemenis are going to cruise over and join us for this party yes. like those are those are honorary guests right there block the boat rock <laughs> yep okay next one is uh oh the narcy Narci track free i just kind of give love to narcy in my experience i just you know, he kind of he kind of cringes me out, but I I love that man, I really do. <laughs> I love him, you know. And you know, in my own experience, you know, I was kind of coming into my trauma of what it was like to be Palestinian and Arab in the world at around the same time as the Iraq War. There was this experience of witnessing in my and when I was in like you know since like post nine eleven, I was in like ninth grade witnessing like the murder of Muhammad al-Dara and the beginning of the Iraq war around the same time and um, Narsi is a Montreal-based hip-hop artist uh, originally from um, Basra in Iraq and for those who are familiar with the Iraq war is like one of the most devastated um, cities from uh, that one of, one of the one of the largest cities, one of the cities that was the most devastated from the Iraq War, um, and particularly had its own history of marginalization, and it's still dealing with those impacts um, today. And I just got to give love for Narsi, and he makes ecstatic and powerful music. And it, I am very grateful to the way that like hip hop feels in my bones, especially like gotta be hip hop. And I could have easily put like a damn song. You know in here too and but uh narcy felt like closer to my experience a little bit um in terms of like how i relate to him as an artist and um, being in diaspora um and so if i had the aux cord that's probably what i would put on <laughs> um and his songs make me feel strong you know they make me feel powerful and um and i love thumping them when i'm driving and like i particularly was moved for like when uh, the fear of an arab planet 
um, mixtape came out. I don't know if you ever heard that, but it was like mm-hmm. a bunch of Arabi hip hop artists um, from like, they're all like, you know, um, from Vlad Hashem, but also from Diaspora who put together uh, this mixtape called Fear of an Arab Planet. And it is so, so powerful and beautiful. And that was my introduction to him. And I love it. I love feeling myself to this music and um, love, love how powerful it makes us. Yeah, this is a, this is a great track. I first heard of Narcy on the Intercept podcast, <laughs> which seems like like nerdily appropriate for Narcy. You know what I mean? He's it reminds me of Loki in the sense that it's just like it's a brilliant mind, but like also so good at this like protest music and this music that makes you feel very actualized and like very proud in a way that that a lot of good you know confident hip-hop does so like you know Shadia Mansur and Damn like they all belong in this category and this is this is the music of when you go to a when you go to a Palestinian protest this is what you hear right on the on the boombox so like there's something awesome about and in, in the this music of course like is quite is really popular like in the Arab world as well you know it's definitely like it comes on on the mix it's going to be pleasing like you're going to have like diaspora folks and like uh, Palestinian people like you know getting hyped to this track like being excited that the other knows the track too like so yeah this when you picked this track I was like shit I should have picked more tracks like this what the fuck like it's a little bit of a blind spot for me because I'm just like I go into my like oh man it's gotta be like powerful like sad thing and then like just like oh come down like I don't know that's just like my that that tends to me my vibes so. yeah I see I, I couldn't es- I, I couldn't escape myself right, you know totally hear you I mean there could be way more space for for, for this year, especially in terms of like Palestinian hip hop music. It's like, yeah, there's a lot more space there. This is a great music video too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely recommend it. Video uh, of, of refugees just in different places, like and editing it together in a, in a really beautiful way. So yeah, super strong. Really like this track. I'll check out that, that mixtape too. It's obviously a call out to the Public Enemy um, album. Yes. As well. So. Absolutely. Okay, well, my next track is uh, Shabaka and the Ancestors. The track is called Joy. I've actually featured this track on an old episode, but it's popping up here again. Um, this is from the album Wisdom of Elders. It was recorded in Johannesburg in 2015 with South African musicians. Shabaka is a radical artist that carries, and, and that, you know, he's a radical artist, and I think that carries through in all their music. This band, um, Shabaka and the Ancestors, is especially meaningful here because of the connection to South African struggle, a lot of the international solidarity of anti-apartheid activists that have spread to so many other like parallel justice movements. Um, obviously, there's a tie-in with the latest genocide case brought by South Africa, which may help in crumbling the Israeli empire. And if so, that would obviously be, be a you know big part of the celebration. Like if it's one of the dominoes that helps helps things fall. Um, and this is just a joyous and powerful jazz song that has a lot of feeling. Um, anytime I hear it, it just makes me think that things are going to be okay. But it's also like has a lot of struggle in it that you can hear as well. And I think that comes from like these are very like seasoned, like old, older ja- uh, South African jazz musicians that he's playing with. I also love that. So Shabaka is like saxophone was his primary instrument, incredible player and announced that he was going to be not continuing playing saxophone anymore and putting down the instrument to focus on other on other um, creative endeavors like musically um, not stopping music just ending their their time with the saxophone and their last 
gig was with their band The Comet is Coming in which Shabaka plays sax and they had a it was like the last time Shabaka was going to play saxophone so it was like a big deal for a lot of people and then it happened to fall on the same day as a what do you call it? like a boycott day for um, in the early days of like the terror that's happening in Gaza and they just canceled their gig in solidarity with the uh, with the boycott and it was like the last is it meaningful it was the last time he was gonna play sax. I'm like, that is fucking commitment. That Holy is shit. Like, amazing. Yeah. So it's not to like belittle or the fans or like the meaning, the meaning or whatever, but it's just to say like some things you don't, you gotta heed the call. You know, sometimes it doesn't, and it doesn't matter like the price. Super respectable human and a beautiful track. Absolutely. I'm making plans to go see him at a Figures Festival this year. Oh, maybe, word. Maybe maybe that's the first time we'll meet in person. Oh, damn. <laughs> when is it? Is it in... Uh, towards the end of something? March. Have you been before? I've always wanted to go. I've never been. No, it's my first time. It's in Knoxville? Knoxville, right? Tennessee, yeah. Yeah, the lineup is always just like... It, it kind of doesn't matter which one you go to. Like, they're all just insane. Yeah. Oh, I would love to go. I'll, I'll definitely I'll definitely look into it. Um, it's like a multi, multi-day thing, right? Yeah. Oh, that would be so cool. All right. I think the next one is your pick, uh, Al-Wali. Long live the Sahrawi army. Yeah. You know, this, you know, I don't know. This this, this kind of music has had a lot of different names. And I feel reluctant to give it a name um, because it feels like highly imposed upon by Western audiences. Some people say like, desert blues and you know um those, you know. those people would be npr <laughs> yes exactly i just it's 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 indigenous it's indigenous music of west africa and it's guitar driven and um rhythm based it's beautiful um and this song in particular has kind of made its way into the like you know the the western audiences like many like many artists uh I think the label that put this out uh, also put out um, Modu Mukhtar's uh, work. Sahel Sounds. Sahel Sounds, that's right. Yep. Based where? Portland, Oregon. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I, as much as I truly resent, and I do resent the, the white men who are behind a lot of, like, the kind of, like, quote unquote, like unarchiving of music and like repackaging and these kinds of things. The music is transcendent and it's brilliant and it's powerful and it's political. And um, the folks who comprise this uh, this band, um, Luali band, are indigenous peoples who have been fighting for their dignity for generations uh, with a lot of different states and uh, military forces imposing upon them. And they are profoundly resilient and um, as Arabs, I do think we also have our own reckoning to do with, you know, anti-blackness and, uh, and and what it, what it means to be indigenous to a region and the and the kind of multiculturalism that also already exists within our societies and to pedestal and throw on the ox throw on the the speakers through the ox cord a indigenous artist of the region I think um, is important and profound and necessary. So, have to have to lift up one of these folks. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm so glad you have this on here. This is a beautiful album, of course. And I, I, I love I love everything that comes out from this from this world. Like it is some of the most joyous uh music ever. And I think sometimes the music is will deceive you. It's yeah. can be incredibly militant and fiery. Um and I think maybe the way our ears hear it and not understanding and not and not understanding the language, we tend to think it's just like all like wedding like band music and celebratory and, and, and that's just one mood of it. Of course, like so many of these groups have been part of resistance movements themselves, like, you know, famously Tenatawin, like the, one of the, one of the members of the primary songwriters in Tenatawin was witnessed their father's like assassination, like, and stuff like that. So it, it also brings to mind like things like what Israel, like what Israel does, like in yeah. the Morocco, like normalization and recognition, like part of, you know, this tip for like, you do this for me, I'll do this for you. You know, what political, pesky political population that you're tamping down on, would you like, would you like us to, to acknowledge doesn't have a right to their native land, right? And then yeah. they do the same for one another. So, yeah, Morocco, that's obviously the, um, it was, is a big part of that. And like you said, like it's, they're, they're at war with multiple nations, right? Yeah. Like it's an entire region. Yep. But I love I love that you're shouting you're shouting back to them with this track like yeah. that's that's super that's super cool and super they, you cool. know they exist you know I I I love every example of when there are people there are states and military forces that don't want people to exist and yet they do and they put out bangers and this is one of them you know so <laughs> there's not one bad song from any from like, any of these none. groups <laughs> like it's like there's not one, like it is all incredible and beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it is a gold mine. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, truly. All right. This next one, I pick Not a Terrace by Haram. There's got to be a hardcore song at some point, right? So all the all the Palestinian punks moshing, I think, is, 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 a, is a nice sight for me as somebody who grew up going to, like, basement shows when I was younger. Um, I chose this track because Haram is sick, and we need to send a resounding fuck you back to the U.S. while we party. <laughs> even after achieving victory for, for you know their wretched empire and Haram accomplishes this in, in no uncertain terms I would say I know Muslim punk and hardcore is nothing new I was gonna ask like are, are, you, are you seeing kind of like an influx and in, you know like punk and hardcore groups coming out like in the last few years like there's Haram's not new obviously but there's like Takbir and Pure Terror and like a few other groups distilling the rage into like this you know shit that Ian Mackay fucking you know figured out in the 80s yeah I know I, I, I haven't seen so much I mean like I've I've been learning uh, particularly just through this like wave of like Dunams and being in the Muslims like of more artists um, and it's usually like one member in a band or something like that but um, not as common to see like like bands like you know Haram or the bands that are just like entirely comprised of like some folks or not a folks or whatever like who are you know this like what is it kind of like anti-war on terror punk and rock and shit like that you know what i mean um yeah uh but but no no i don't have like i don't i don't not seriously like seeking a trend so to speak but just have been meeting individuals throughout throughout my time yeah yeah and and haram was cool because they were like kind of transgressive too it's just like a, a brown like hardcore band too in terms of like their appearance and, their look and stuff like that so I, maybe there were bands like this when I was like 14, 15, 16. Like I would have, it would have meant 
something maybe a little bit different to me like back then but even as like a, as a, as a middle-aged guy like seeing this like classic sort of template of like music resurfaced as as having like with these people this identity this message is just it's still so satisfying to me but i'm there in a lot of ways i'm a caveman at the end of the day so all right this next one was yours this is uh enemish kafir enemish kafir is the other fan have you are you familiar with the song you know i don't think i was and then i started reading reading about it and reading who this was the son of feirus and i just felt like an idiot i was like i don't know anything <laughs> I, <laughs> like how did this miss me yeah uh, but it did that's how i felt too when i first heard it i love this song um i've been singing this song a lot too recently um it's kind of a funny story so the the preschool that i send my child to is pretty radical and there's great families who are part of it and during this time they've basically <laughs> unequivocally showed their support for palestine in a really profound way for and in terms of like how they're approaching educating the kids at the school about what's going on because they're asking questions um yeah of course and there's a lot of artists who are parents at the school and for an end of year celebration um one of the parents was leading a cello choir um where they were going to be bringing seven cellists together to play a series of songs and they asked me it's like there's a song that you'd like um, us to play and you could sing and we could we could be part of this moment and i requested that they arrange this one for seven cellos and they did and it is incredible and powerful and beautiful and we've been singing it and thankfully Ziad Rabani's voice is in the same like register as my voice comfortably it's like just kind of deep and dark and salty and um pessimistic and, and condescending it's just beautiful i love his voice so much the context for this song is that this song is this song I, I call it i think it's it's an anti-war song it was written during the lebanese civil war the words enemish kafir is, is is like i am not a heathen and the context of the lebanese civil war is just like intense sectarian the intense stoking of sectarian violence ideology by Oh, by Western-backed minority um, in Lebanon um, that was Christian and French-educated and all these kinds of things. And the fight was for political representation of people and for people to really get what they need. And all people kept getting back at them all the time was like the ways in which they're they're unhuman or their neighbors are inhuman or their neighbor, you know, like they're just kind of pitting people against each other all the time, dividing, 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 dividing. Until now, we know that even though the Lebanese Civil War has ended, it's very, very like traumatized society by all of the divisiveness that has been stoked and sectarianism has been stoked during those during those times. What Ziad Rahbani does as a communist and throughout the whole breadth of this album in a beautiful way is he poetically and simply he's just a grounding force. He's a grounding force. The, the lyrics of the song, I am not a heathen. Hunger is a heathen. I am not a heathen. Sickness is a heathen. I am not a heathen. Poverty is a heathen. Humiliation is a heathen. The country is a heathen. You know, like, he's like, he's just going off and just like, y'all, like, it, it feel, it, his songs, a lot of the songs, I just feel like a call to action. It's like, 
we are not bad. There are real ills in this world, and we know what they are. And particularly the tone, the way the way he sings, even though I find these to be very powerful words. Like you could, these words could be transposed to like a pro, to like a speech at a, at a protest. You know what I mean? But he delivers it just like a delicate, impassioned observer, as if like he is not swayed by all of the ways that propaganda can distort and like divide us. He's not swayed. It's like so unbothered, so nonchalant. And I love it. I love it so much. And I think we need a rallying cry and we need a comfort, comfortable rallying cry. We don't need any, we don't have to force anything any, anymore when we're free. You know, when we're free, there's, there's no way to, we have to prove anything to anybody. You know, and I love that about the song. And yeah, so I'm playing the song all the time. I actually gave a whole nother interview on another podcast about this song. Anyway, I love it. It's a beautiful song. Um, what podcast was that? Uh, let's make a mixtape. Oh, cool! Yeah. I'm gonna find that for sure. Great! I'll put that in. I'll put that in show notes. Awesome! I didn't know the context for this song. That's that's all so amazing. I, I I'm with you. Like we need to. We've we've shredded our throats enough, right? Like yeah, we, it's time to 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 start talking in this uh, not arrogant, con- like just confident, matter of fact way that is that is unbothered and like not willing to entertain like a any other uh, but or like you know like perspective like these are these are terms wow yeah i'm gonna listen to this i'm gonna listen to this song again and with that, all that in mind and and for sure take that all in that's awesome yeah the album too the whole album is really beautiful what a talented family jesus i know right um okay well we're nearing the end i just have one more and then and then it's off to you i picked the song open up the gate from the congos i figured we needed a come down song from all the partying so i picked a righteous uh dub reggae track by the the legendary group the congos you know if you go to like north africa and the levant you'll you'll find a lot of arabs who love reggae and i know reggae is pretty like universal but like it's this is a thing you know what i'm talking about i definitely do I don't know. It's maybe there's this connection between like you know the global south and reggae music. Um, I don't know. I could like try and theorize on it or whatever. But it's you know it's music constructed from from black diasporic struggles against colonialism and slavery, and it's deeply spiritual music too. And and there's also so many references in, in especially like the dub variety to like returning to Babylon and Zion, you know, with like this the real Rasta kind of forward like strains of reggae and dub. So. That, that deep longing to return back both physically, culturally, and spiritually is like very felt within the music. And the song is about repatriation, like that's in the chorus as well. Um, repatriation that is due to all black people. Um, so, you know, obviously the connection is very direct here, but I, I find dub music to be very powerful in that way. The melodies of the song are, are, are really, really like spiritually like resounding. And, and I don't know, I think there's just a, a commonality there. And like, you know, we already got a bunch of, we already got a bunch of people who already are like attuned to to reggae anyway. I remember when I would like go to Palestine, like in the summertime when I was a little kid, I'd go to like my, uh, my auntos house, my aunt's house. And she would just have, she just had one DVD and it was this like Bob Marley live DVD. And she would just play it all the time and it's only music. <laughs> The only Western music she gave shit, a single shit about, and it's, I just remember watching that live performance like dozens of times and just being like, 
just I don't know. It's just it, there's just a nostalgic thing yeah. to it, and I think those other those other connections kind of make sense too. But yeah, the I guess final two tracks are yours. Um, the the next one you picked is Illegals by your band. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm yeah. I'm like wearing all my merch. Try to sell some records on here. I'm really not, because <laughs> I'll tell you what, Epitaph owns that shit. And <laughs> this is not the podcast for selling records. <laughs> it's not the podcast for selling records, and we're not gonna make any money off these records. Okay, Epitaph owns that shit, and we hate them for it, but we love to hate them. So, so. <laughs> This song is called Illegals. It's by the Muslims. And I had to throw it on there because you know what? We wrote an anthem and it's just an anthem. And we need to we need we need we need it. And you know what? The anthem is the whole main line is no one's illegal but white people. I'll tell you what. Isn't that true? Like, isn't that just true? We're done. We're done with the settler shit. We're done. You're like, come on. This is the this is the this is the pal- this is the free Palestine party. This is the anti-settler rock. This is the anti-settler rock party. Okay, we're done with that shit. We all know who they are. We all know that all the ills that they proclaim that you know other people bring to the world all came from them. You know, I mean, anyway, it's just a fun song. Um, the lyricist Kather again, immensely brilliant. It's fun, simple, and um, rallying, and, you know, we're done with white people in this world, you know? I mean, obviously, you know, we love Brian Eno and Jay Spaceman and all these things. We're not talking about, like, seriously, but we're done with the idea of what whiteness has created. That's what we're done with. Yeah, and this is, add this to, like, the the, the pile of great songs that that make this exact point from from non-white perspectives. It must be really fun to play drums in this band, too, it's very fun. <laughs> I kind of just let myself go. It's very fun. Yeah. Yeah, it just all just fucking rocks so hard. Um, also, the album title, we should tell people, Fuck These Fucking Fascists. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Are y'all, like, active? Like, playing like, playing around or anything like that? We're, we're still, yeah, we're still a band. We're just taking a little bit of a break, but we have another album material. And, you know, I don't know. We're kind of, like... We kind of like gaslight and manipulate our fans all the time about like where we're at and at our, at our status, but that's kind of like a running joke to be trolls. Um, but in all and this, but you know, this is me, and I, I tend to be more vulnerable and outright and saying that we're a band. We're just dealing with life stuff, and we're gonna come back with another album soon. Yeah, inshallah. inshallah. All right, we're at the end here, but you had one more track that you wanted to. To throw in here at the end, and I I did listen to it. It, it was a, a YouTube link at a certain time marker, and I listened to it. And I I, I can only just defer to you here on the explanation because I have a feeling it's de- it's a deeply personal one. <laughs> Illuminate me, you know. Okay. And I'll and I'll cut this into the episode too. Don't worry, I'll rip that shit from YouTube. This is an Arabic nursery rhyme that. I love to sing to my kid and that we listen to in the car. And I'm just thinking about kids and I'm just thinking about parent and being a parent right now. And um, I don't think I've encountered any parent in this moment that isn't completely like, you know, just 
raw by what we've had to witness. And I love this song. I love this song for the kids. Um, I love singing it to my child and um, playing it. And it's about little chick, little chicks, little baby chicks and their mama and, you know, what they do and the peace and the comfort and the safety that is just like riddled through this track is just like really, really warming. And it's, it's, it's feeling like heartwarming, but it's also feeling like grief music for us these days. And I wanted to add it to the playlist because at the end of this, when Palestine is free, our kids will be safe. And that is um, important to me, important to so many of us. And um, these little chicks in the song, it's an, it's an, if you don't speak Arabic or understand it, they are waking up and they're putting on their best outfits for the holiday and they're enjoying their time and they're going to sleep with their mother and they're not afraid of anything because they feel like they're protected and they're safe and, and they drink water and they say ah oh, that's good water you know it's just simple and it's beautiful and we need that and that's what we're fighting for these are the stakes for me and um this is the world so that i want to be building for these little chicks so Love it. Yeah. When you go to, if you went to Palestine as a kid, did you ever go into the suit and get the little, like when we'd come back with like the sous that they would sell in like the little cages, uh-huh. you'd bring it back in like a plastic cup or something. <laughs> it reminded me of that. Your story reminded me of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I remember bringing a rabbit back to the U.S. before, before 9-11. We brought a little rabbit, literal rabbit on the airplane back with us <laughs> <laughs> wow um i think that's a that's an excellent way to to cap this off yeah that is that is what it's all about and you know i'm i'm not a parent myself but you know i was thinking the other day it's so shameful and depressing that like people have to people have to people do these campaigns where they spread you know thirteen thousand kids clothing across an entire beach just to get into people's heads like the scope and the scale of the of the loss of children like it's like i'm glad i'm glad it happens but like when you take a step back it's it indicates this disconnect from like what should be the most universally like fundamental like fucking shit in the world it just makes me so angry but it is what we're you're, you're right that is absolutely what we're fighting for and that's what this playlist is for as well yes this playlist rocks. This playlist is amazing. This playlist fucking rules. I agree. Yeah. I was listening to it like front, like front to back as it is, and it's, it definitely, it definitely like takes some, some side steps and and goes some places that are interesting. Like it, it might have been tempting to just put like all, you know, all bangers, like all celebration the whole way, but we we explore quite a bit within it, and I think there's we each have like s- stories like attached to, to everything and if you want to come up with your own rad liberate you know Palestine is free uh, playlist like we would love we would love to we would love to see it add to it so get in get in touch at the sonicloth at gmail.com I'll make sure to share it with this and yeah thanks so much for doing this Jad. like this was this was so much fun it was so good to meet you um, I learned a lot from you today and it was just so nice to connect uh, Palestinian to Palestinian like 
and so cool that I get to talk to someone who made such a made such an important album in my life. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. This is awesome. Thanks for having me. This is definitely the best music conversation I feel like I've ever had. I think you have great music conversations all the time. This was the best that I've ever had. I just feel like it hit so many notes and I got to be so much myself within it, you know? So, I mean, it's not all out of your music. It's all the music I love and that feels connected to me. So it's great. And I love your picks too. Likewise. Yeah, I feel, I feel the exact same way. You know, when I was like, you know, thinking about what episode I do next, I'm just like, how, how can I just fucking do an episode about, I don't know, sludge metal or like <laughs> post rock or something like, right. I can't, I can't, like, yeah. this might just become a follow steam podcast. Now. Who the fuck cares? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and I felt that way, that sort of like all encompassing wave, like affect a lot of different areas of my life. And I'm, I'm trying to speaking to friends about how to manage that and engage with that and be healthy with it and stuff like that too. So I don't know, man. We're all going. We're all going through it. Obviously, we have we have roofs over our head. Our houses are not collapsing. So that's all we can ask. And the future we want is one where that doesn't happen for anybody. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if you have any any parting words, closing words. Otherwise, uh, thank you so much for, for for doing this. I really appreciate you. Thank you too. Yeah. Do the same thing you always do. Subscribe to the Sonic Cloth so you never miss an episode. You can hit me up at thesonicloth at gmail um, You can follow on. Twitter and Instagram if you like if you leave me a review I think that helps with stuff sometimes doesn't even have to be a good one I don't really care just say something and that's gonna do it I will see you here in well whenever whenever I whenever I feel like coming back to this (laughs) all right peace y'all